kids and families. As the result of a federal court decision, Colorado is taking steps to preserve access to critical healthcare services at the state level. That may sound familiar to anyone who listened to our recent episode about access to reproductive health care. This time, the court decision is Braidwood Management versus Becerra, a ruling focused on the preventive services mandate of the Affordable Care Act, which makes sure health insurance plans cover services like perinatal depression screenings and fluoride varnishes for kids at no cost to patients. The court said that this requirement is unconstitutional. On this week's episode of The West Steps, we talked to a group of Colorado-based policy leaders about the court's decision and its implications for care, and about how they acted quickly to make sure that Colorado does what it can to preserve coverage for preventing Thanks everyone services. for being with us today on this episode of The West Steps. Um, really appreciate your time. So we've got a few different people on the panel today. We're going to kick it off with introductions and an icebreaker, which is what is your favorite preventive service and why? So Erin, can you start us off? Sure. Uh, I'm Erin Miller. I'm vice president of health initiatives here at the Colorado Children's Campaign. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm a white woman for folks who are listening. Um, and uh, favorite preventive service, there's so many really good ones, but one that I spend a lot of time thinking about is the ability of young kids to get preventive fluoride put on their teeth at their doctor's office. It's a critically important service. It's supposed to happen several times before a kid even turns three, and no one really takes their kids to the dentist that much as their teeth come in, so it's really important to get that preventive fluoride on their teeth. Um, where they're at, like at their doctor's office. Um, and so I will pass it over to Eric. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, my name is Eric Waskowitz, he, him pronouns. I am policy manager for United States of Care, which is a national organization uh, focused on expanding access to healthcare coverage and, and making that affordable. Um, that said, I do live here in Denver um, and uh, we've been engaged in efforts kind of to expand access to that healthcare uh, and improve affordability. And as for a favorite preventive service, I, I love this question. I think it's personal for a lot of people and that includes me. You know, um, there's a, a service that has kind of expanded coverage for in 2019 called PrEP, which is an HIV preventive medication. Um, and as a gay man on PrEP myself, um, I think I just realized how important this drug is to our community to kind of lower HIV uh, you know, transmission rates. Um, and we realize the stakes when that access is taken away, as I think we'll kind of talk about later in this call. So I will turn it over to Isabel. Thanks, Eric. Hi, everybody. Isabel Cruz, she, her, is AEF pronouns. Um, I'm the policy director with the Colorado Consumer Health Initiative, a statewide advocacy organization whose mission is to ensure all Coloradans have equitable access to high quality and affordable health care. So my favorite friend of service, I think I'm just going to have to go with the bread and butter annual preventive wellness visit. You know, I think it's just such an important touch point um, when so many people, particularly young people, um, you know, don't have a... Uh, regular site of care, and it can be a really important way of, of, uh, of catching things and staying engaged in the healthcare system in a way that's low barrier. I'll now pass to Jack. Awesome. Thanks, Isabel. Hey, everybody. My name is Jack Teeter. I use he and they pronouns, and I'm the Regional Director of Government Affairs at Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. And my favorite preventive services, for sure, cost-sharing free contraception, closely tied with uh, STI testing and prevention, and especially Colorado's expansion of those services to require them regardless of the covered person's gender. 
Thank you for that. I think that was a great way to kick this off because when you hear preventive services, it sounds really vague and broad, but we're really talking about these health services that can you know, affect all of our lives in really personal ways, um, as you said, Eric. So thank you for that. So we're here today talking about preventive services, partly because of um, the Braidwood decision that recently um, came through a court in Texas. And Eric, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what this court case even is and what's going on with it um, right now. We're recording in the middle of April, 2023. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And I was just talking to some colleagues recently and, you know, the the last two weeks since the decision was released, it seems like it's a whirlwind. Um, So for those of you who are kind of listening along, you know, I think a lot of people probably realize that about two weeks ago on March 30th, federal judge in Texas really delivered the latest serious blow to the Affordable Care Act uh, when he ruled that the ACA's preventive services mandate um, no longer held, no longer stood. So this ruling states that private health plans are no longer required to cover uh, critical and life-stage changing preventive services with no cost. And so I think, you know, putting a pin in that for a second, it's important to note that the decision only applies to certain services uh, certain preventive services that receive what's called an A or B grade by the United States Preventive Services Task Force. So this does not apply to other recommendations that are targeted mostly towards women or children made by other government entities. That said, this decision does severely reduce access to you know, vital preventive care that millions of Americans have come to rely on, like cancer screenings, youth mental health screenings, things like that. And making matters worse, you know, this decision also found that employers would no longer be required to cover PrEP, which I mentioned earlier, uh, based on religious freedom grounds. So, you know, taken all together, people have relied, that have come to rely on these services for over a decade now, um, you know, have, have, have faced uncertainty. And, and this ruling only really injects that uncertainty in such really an important part of our healthcare system and, and really does people put people's lives at stake. Yeah, thank you for um, for that overview. So, just zooming in um, to what's happening in Colorado, like what what does this mean for um, the coverage that people in Colorado are likely to have? Um, you know, we always do like to have that lens on kids and families. So, if there's specific things um, that you want to highlight there, um, you know, what should our our listeners know about how this might affect them and their coverage? Colorado is interesting because um, several of, of the people on this call started working together as early as, as 2020 to pass policies in preparation for this to happen. And so in 2020, we introduced a bill to protect access to preventive services. It uh, it didn't pass because the legislator, legislature adjourned for COVID. And so we brought it back in 2021. And that bill codified and expanded access to a lot of these cost-sharing free preventive benefits, including contraception, including care-related STIs, it specifically created a coverage requirement for PrEP that year. And then this year, uh, we were all also working on another bill to create additional insurance coverage requirements around reproductive health care and other preventive services. And on the day that the, the Braidwood decision came down, the bill was literally about to be up for second readings in the second chamber. And so we were able to... Um, make adjustments in light of the decision to ensure that that care will continue to be protected here for those people who have insurance plans that are regulated by the Colorado Division of Insurance. You know, I think like the question of of what it means for folks on the ground 
right now is that in most for most people, however they get their their private health insurance, which is where these requirements really were forceful in the Affordable Care Act, is folks who have private coverage. So less of an impact on like Medicaid or Medicare, Tricare, other ways that people get coverage. But for folks who have private coverage, whether that be individual, small group, through their employer, that's where these requirements were in the Affordable Care Act. And most people um, sign up for health insurance coverage on like on a on an annual contract. So like you enter into a contract with that insurance, or your employer enters into a contract for that insurance that lasts a twelve month period. Often, sort of that like January to December, but not always. Especially like employers do it different ways um, in different months. But so for most folks, there's like limited immediate impact, but there is this potential now because of the Braidwood ruling, as Eric was saying, because it. HHS can't enforce these standards, um, according to that ruling, um, that insurance companies might decide to stop covering some of these services, especially the more expensive ones, things like colonoscopies or PrEP, um, and and might decide to start um, putting cost sharing uh, with those services. So maybe they would still cover them, but it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be free. People would start getting these large bills when they went to get those services. Um, and so... Um, I, as Jack was saying, I think it's we've been working for a long time to try to protect these these services for folks who have Colorado regulated insurance. What we do at parties, as I'm sure most people do at their parties, is they pull out their insurance card and you can look to see if it's a Colorado regulated plan or not. It says CODOI if it's regulated by the state of Colorado. And that's a big chunk of plans in the state. Um, but there are plans if folks have like, you know, uh, if they work for a large employer that has offices across multiple states, then, then those plans are rarely regulated by the state. So um, there is still sort of this, this space that is hard to reach with state regulation, but we have made these steps um, over time to protect these services in state statute. And if I could just jump in real quick here, Aaron, you know, I just want to hammer home the point that, you know, even if we were to introduce, you know, small amounts of cost sharing for some of these services that, you know, are, have been covered without costs, that can, you know, studies have shown that that shows a, that can be a huge barrier to kind of, you know, preventing people from accessing these services. And so, you know, you know, while when parents don't have access to these services needed to keep themselves healthy, that can kind of affect the well-being and health of their kids as well. And there kind of be a cascading effect there. I will say there is some good news. You know, uh, I think it was mentioned earlier, you know, that while the Dutch's decision took effect immediately, you know, plans have said that they don't, they're not looking to tinker with plans, you know, mid-year, that sort of thing. And I'll say that most of the services, preventive services that are required, uh, you know, for children um, are not affected by this ruling. So these are mostly services that are recommended by the Health Resources and Services Administration, which is kind of just a fancy way of saying a different organization that this case doesn't touch as it currently stands. That said, we've already seen the plaintiffs in this case kind of move to expand the jurisdiction. So that could be in play in the future. But as it stands right now, most of the services that kids would benefit from these preventive services would not be touched by the current ruling. Yeah. And to, to drive home kind of what I think everybody's touched on in terms of the human impact of what can feel like a really lofty health policy conversation, right, is that so many people have come to rely on the ability to seek care that keeps us healthier and allows us to, um, you know, maintain well-being and take care of our families, our kids, etc. Um, over, you know, the past several years of the ACA. And, and that is something that is coming into question and is just part of the, you know, uh, 
I think, the importance of keeping healthcare together, right? This case started as an attack on people living with HIV um, and, and people, um, you know, taking PrEP. And it has turned into uh, attacking all people's access to preventive services to keep us all well from, you know, uh, birth to uh, the end of our lives. And so I think uh, it's it's important to emphasize, right, that uh, we have to stay united in, in healthcare and also, right, emphasizing that um, any amount of cost sharing particularly impacts the most price sensitive people who we know are people who face disproportionate barriers in our healthcare system, right? So um, our low income and underinsured people on private insurance, as well as um, people of color um, and, and oftentimes people living with chronic conditions as well. I think another thing as well that you just made me think of um, as we're looking at these expansions and what it means and who it means for what it means for who and when is that they're not going to stop, right? And I think we have seen this with the attacks on abortion care that have now bled into attacks on gender affirming care, initially for young people, now for adults as well, attacks on access to contraception. And when we look at what is covered in this USPSTF list, some of those things are also covered in other places. But I think it's important for folks to recognize the spectrum here, right? The requirement that insurance cover birth control is in the USPSTF recommendations. That is in this case. Everything from gestational diabetes screening for pregnant people to falls prevention and urinary incontinence screening in older adults, colonoscopies, pap tests, right? All of these things that I think we've internalized culturally are part of our wellness services and that we've also recognized economically makes sense for people to be able to access without cost sharing. Um, I think it's, it's so important to recognize that even if this decision comes from a very particular group of anti-gay employers who do not want to have to cover prep for their employees. It is also affecting everything from, again, urinary incontinence screening in seniors to fluoride for kids. Um, and so while the state has the ability to back up some of that coverage in state law, and while there are some overlapping areas of coverage in federal law that will maintain access to those services, I think we all really need to sit in the reality of, of what it means for a judge in Texas to be able to um, not only remove the requirement, but but be able to prevent access to people um, who need to get these services and couldn't possibly afford them out of pocket. Yeah. Um, and Isabel, I think your, your point that, okay, we've had 10 years to get used to this as being something that's covered means this could really come as like a shock that has real impact um, on, pe on people. Well, speaking about what we can do or like what Colorado is doing, um, Tell me a little bit about uh, what you all have been working on in our state to um, to make sure that some of these uh, concerning impacts like don't happen. Uh, yeah, Erin, could you could you kick us off? Yeah, I, I'm happy to. Um, and I know you know Jack talked about this a little bit earlier, but we have been working to to <laughs> secure <laughs> this coverage in state law to say <laughs> that even if someone. Um, overturns the ACA, right? There was years of fighting about folks trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act that even if it's repealed federally or even if these regulations are chipped away at that we're gonna maintain this coverage in Colorado. And we really saw a huge step forward with that this year through Senate Bill 23-189, um, which uh, Jack and Isabel really helped spearhead here in Colorado to protect um, reproductive health services and, and sort of all health services, right? Because all of these things are connected. Once you start chipping away at one of them, you're chipping away at all of the things that people need to be healthy, to take care of themselves, take care of them, their kids. Um, 
And so in that bill, um, we were able to amend it as it was going through the process to protect um, all four categories of reproductive or of uh, preventive services as they exist in the Affordable Care Act. Um, as we've sort of talked around here in this conversation, one big category of those are these United States Preventive Services Task Force A and B recommendations, like Jack was saying, that's where the fluoride is. Uh, contraception, there's you know lots of prep, lots of things in those in those rulings. Um, there's also ASIP, which recommends um, immunizations for kids. That's where things like COVID vaccines um, uh, live, um, that, that those have to be offered without cost sharing. Um, there's also uh, HRSA recommendations, and there's sort of two buckets of those, one for women and then one for children. And so um, the bill that passed this year uh, at the state legislature codifies all four of those buckets and says those are required services that anyone with that CODOI on their health insurance card is going to maintain access to those services um, here in Colorado. And that's, it's, I think it's really important both because it protects those services and also sort of signals to carriers that this is something we're really paying attention to and we, we want to maintain these as covered services for folks in the state. Awesome. Thanks. What, what else, what else should we know about that? Isabel, Jack, anything you'd add on? The timing was pretty freaky. It could not, I mean, the, the bill, the bill, the bill uh, had already passed through the first chamber and was about to be heard for uh, for second readings, which is the time when legislators, you know, when the entire body gets together to really have floor debate, uh, like within hours of the decision coming down. And so, I when we saw the decision had dropped, I immediately felt terrified and then relieved, and then realized that we had sort of this critical vehicle to protect Coloradans from this decision in the exact right place at the exact right time. And so uh, even thinking back to 2020 and 2021, we were afraid at the time, especially in 2020 when Donald Trump was the president, that this decision was coming. And so we were trying to plan ahead, but it's, it's incredible to me uh, how much we were able to sort of anticipate what this decision might look like and to protect people, hopefully in such a way that Coloradans won't, notice an interruption in their coverage um, if they have those DOI regulated plans. It also really got me thinking about the way in which we are increasingly living in two countries. I usually think that uh, as it pertains to access to reproductive health care and especially access to abortion care and gender affirming care, it is true in many, many, many different areas of policy and our lived experiences and our lives. Um, but it's, it's really interesting for me to think now of what it might mean that if you live in a blue state, you're going to have access to pediatric fluoride. And if you don't, you won't. And thinking about, um, health outcomes for folks, access to those preventive services that keep us healthy, being so driven by the partisan makeup of the legislators in your state, because we, these are not partisan issues in our communities, right? I mean, we've seen we've seen polling, and we know when we talk to our family members and our neighbors, people don't want to lose access to preventive health services through their insurance. They're partisan questions in state capitals, but they're not partisan in our communities. And so it's it's pretty horrifying to me to think that um, we are fast approaching a future where people's ability to access falls prevention for their grandparents is going to be driven based on the partisan makeup of their state legislature. Yeah, I think that's such an important 
point, Jack. And just to emphasize too, I think this is an evolving conversation and question. And it's really great too that we were able to integrate some level of responsiveness on the part of our division of insurance to kind of take <laughs> the new information about the uh, meaning of this case going forward to ensure that it's as adaptive as possible to kind of make for this hopeful reality that we're that uh, Jack put forward of no, people not noticing this in our state, right? While we also, you know, stand in solidarity with folks who are going to be seeing this in many of our neighboring states and, you know, um, in in the, across the country. Uh, I would also say too something that I'm really proud of for the work that was done on on 189 is, you know, I think what we're seeing with what's being threatened in Braidwood is the floor, right? Um, these are certain services that are really important, right? But we also know that people get hit with cost sharing in many other ways for a lot of services that are important. And so expanding, you know, coverage for not only STI treatment and testing, but also treatment and other things that came up in this bill too, I think really speak to, um, we have to protect the gains that we've made while also really trying to achieve true health equity by um, pushing forward the protections to uh, ensure critical access to services um, for all is, is a real reality on the ground. And I, I just want to jump in to say, uh, yeah, agree with all of that. And, you know, that we, that we were so lucky that we had folks who had seen this coming and had bills in the right place, and then we were able to amend them with the best language that we could write in about four hours. Um, of debate time. Um, uh, I think, you know, one of the things that we did through there, we were talking about this earlier today, is that we we gave our Division of Insurance some additional rulemaking authority around preventive services so that they can draft rules and regulations to enforce the, the implementation of this law, which is important. Um, and we've been sharing these resources now with folks from other states. So um, uh, Massachusetts, folks in Massachusetts and other places are looking to also codify these services. And now they're looking to our language because it's already passed and thinking about like what they need to do in their state to make the language work there. And, and Eric, I didn't know if you wanted to talk at all here in our last few minutes about some of the other resources that USF Cares um, put together to help, uh, you know, take what, what was sort of done here and spread it across other states so that hopefully um, as many legislators as legislatures as possible can help protect these services for folks. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. I think if there's one silver lining to take away from all this is that it really is kind of lighting a fire under many states to kind of take action to codify these on the, these protections on the state level. You know, whether it's here in Colorado, we've been tracking bills in Massachusetts, like you mentioned, in Oregon, in Rhode Island that are really kind of stepping up to try to, you know, in the absence of any sort of federal mandate to pick up the pace on the state level. And so, you know, I would say, you know, United States of Care, we put together talking points and resources and, and you know, state solutions guides and things like that. And so I would invite folks to, to check those out if they're looking to take action in their state. You know, I will say, you know, in states that maybe there isn't kind of the, the rush to pass legislation to, in the event that this mandate is up, you know, the elimination of the mandate is upheld, you know, we're very much following kind of this case as it proceeds through the federal court system. And so just yesterday, we found out that the federal government applied to have this ruling state. And so essentially, you know, that would mean that, you know, this would keep the preventive services mandate in place as this case is working its way through the courts. If that's granted, you know, then it might be several years until the Supreme Court, which who we who we think is likely going to rule on this, would rule on it. And so, you know, it would essentially buy a state's time to kind of put some protections in place. But, you know, whether it's on the federal level through the courts or on the state level, you know, we're here to kind of provide resources for states that are looking to get involved in this, whether it's through 
you know, talking points or, or FAQs or that sort of thing. So I'm um, happy to, you know, people can feel free to kind of, you know, check out our website uh, for any of those documents or, or resources. Great. And we can share some of those in the show notes on this episode as well. And just as we wrap up, um, are there any ways that you think people can get involved or ways that you'd encourage people to sort of keep tracking what's happening in Colorado or across the country? I think there's a really important lever that people have with their employers. I think that when we think about state and local government, you know, stay engaged in those spaces because these questions are increasingly going to the states. I am I am personally not confident about the ability of the federal government to effectively be able to pass policy at the moment. But I think that a lot of us get our health insurance through our employers. And I think that they have the ability to set industry standards for how health insurance ought to work. And so I think that the uh, kind of collective ability to insist on what insurance coverage ought to look like and to hold our employers accountable. And I should caveat this by saying none of us should be dependent on our bosses to get access to healthcare. That's ridiculous that our system works that way. But as that's the position we find ourselves in right now, I think um, keeping pressure on those employers to set a nationwide standard for what insurance benefits ought to look like and that care ought to be cost sharing free and that co-pays that mean people can't afford to go to the doctor do not in fact make us healthier. And that to me feels like it's an important lever in this very weird moment that we find ourselves in. I would add to that that, you know, right now, so these services should still be cost sharing free for just about everyone. The issuers have said they're not going to make mid-year plan changes. We've protected them anyone for anyone that has a division of insurance, you know, regulated plan in the state of Colorado. Um, and so it's also really important. One of the one of the levers here on making sure that this is happening is that folks can file complaints with our division of insurance. So if you get a bill for one of these preventive services, whether it be your contraception, that's one thing the division's looking in really carefully, whether it's a postpartum depression screen that you get at your kid's pediatric office or uh, the fluoride that you get for them at their pediatric office or, you know, you're screening for urinary incontinence, your colonoscopy. If folks are getting bills for those services, um, they should really be reaching out to our division of insurance and um, and, tr- and filing those complaints so that folks can dig into that and see what's going on and, and hold um, plans accountable for covering these these critical services for folks because the division can't can't enforce it if they don't know that, that things aren't working right on the ground. So it's on us to make sure that we're taking uh, advantage of these services and getting the care that we need and not paying for it out of pocket. Great. Uh, thanks for the reminders of the ways that we can engage outside of the legislature. Um, and thank you for the work that all of you have been uh, doing to take care of all of us here in Colorado. Um, well, I'm so glad that we could talk about this. Really um, appreciate your time and it's an important subject. Um, and hope to connect with you all again sometime soon on the West Steps. Um, and have a great afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the West Steps. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast, you can send us an email at media at coloradokids.org. The West Steps and the rest of the children's campaign's work is possible thanks to our philanthropic funders and our generous sponsors and donors. If you enjoy resources like The West Steps, consider supporting our work by visiting coloradokids.org. The West Steps is a production of the Colorado Children's Campaign. It was created by Beza to Death. Our producer is Emily Battaglia, and I'm your host, Jackie Zuperke.
Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.